We just bless Rick this morning, Lord. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your ministry um, in us through him, Lord. We just bless him this morning. Whoa, thank you, Father, for um, the anointing that's on him. And we just receive all that you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, I could just stay there right then. Well, good morning, folks. Good to be with you. Forgive my accent if it all melts into one blur. I tend to get a little bit excited when I'm preaching. And, uh, oh, I'm meant to be at a cafe. All right. (laughs) So, yeah, I I pastor a multi-campus church in the UK. I also help with um, the Partners in Harvest stuff over there. And it was such a delight to be with you last time I was here. I thought I had a great time. I love your pastor, Cameron. And when I say I love him, I mean my heart, I love that man. You know, we, um, we just connect so well together and uh, you are very blessed to have him and uh, Kath as your senior leaders. Let me tell you, um, he's a great leader and uh, he has uh, super good insights into ministry and a real heart as a shepherd. So I'm blessed to be here and to hang out with you and to hang out with him. And... Uh, I usually tell a joke at home, is that okay? May not, may not translate because it's an English joke, but uh, um, in my church we have uh, a big old building with a steeple and all the rest of it. And, and so, you know, this little old lady comes to church and she shuffles in and the usher finds her and uh, he says, uh, let me find you a seat. And so he takes her to a back seat and then as he's about to sit there, she says, no thank you young man, I'll sit at the front, in an English accent of course. And... Uh, the usher says, ma'am, the pastor's really boring. You don't want to sit at the front because he'll go on for a long time. And if you need to get out, you need to sit at the back. <laughs> and, and the lady said, don't you know who I am? And the usher said, no, I'm the pastor's mother. <laughs> and the usher said to her, do you know who I am? And she said, no. And he ran away. <laughs> And so there was a grandma, not the same grandma, teaching her children how to pray. And uh, uh, she says, you know, it's good to pray, it's good to have faith. And so she sent them off to their bedroom that night and one of them prayed, Dear Lord Jesus, I really want to know you better. I really want to, you know, understand the Bible better. Amen. And then the second little boy said, in a loud voice, Dear Lord Jesus, I would love a bicycle. Amen. And the first little boy turns to the second little boy and says, you don't have to shout, God's not deaf. He says, yeah, but Grandma is. (laughs) One of the benefits of uh, travelling around is, uh, you know, absorbing... Uh, what it, different, different churches and different experiences and different cultures and everything else I love that I was saying last night at the other campus in my last church in London before the one I'm at now there was 52 different nationalities in the church um, four language groups it was uh, English, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, Cantonese speaking and, um, and so it was great coming in on Sunday the Chinese church uh, campus would meet after us in the same building and because they were waiting for us they'd start to cook food 
So I would just sort of meander over to where they were after the service. So there were real benefits um, when, it came, when it came to having uh, many different cultures. So we cottoned on to the idea of uh, having um, international days where everyone brought their own food from their country. It was great. I got to bring fish and chips, you know. <laughs> and there's all these amazing foods and then fish and chips or mashed potato, which is what English people eat. Bangers and mash. And... Um, and so as I come here today, you know, I really feel God speaking to me. And I want to, in a moment, ask you a few questions. But before I do that, I want to read some weird passages from the Bible. Is that alright? Yes. How many people like the weird passages, other than me? So, what I do often with the Bible is I walk into it like a room. And I don't know whether it's okay to say I've watched The Matrix. But there's a scene in the Matrix... Anyone seen The Matrix movies? Okay, is that okay? Just finding a religious spirits in the room. Okay? Anyone not okay with that? Come forward, we'll pray for you. Um, yeah, as a pastor you have to be real careful when you say, you know, this is a movie because I tend to filter out the inappropriate bits. And so, you, you know, this is just wisdom, guys, for you out there. Um, because most, most films have something in them nowadays that you just think, that's not right. And, uh, and so you have to be careful. And I'll, Actually, that will fit in with what I'm saying later. But in this, there's a scene in this movie where the hero is taken back into the computer world and uh, he, he sees a girl walk past him in a bright red dress and as, he, as the girl walks past him and he's walking this way, he turns and looks at her like this. And then what the man does who's with him, he says, stop! And he pauses the scene. And, and then as he turns around there's another guy with a gun in his face. And he never noticed that because he noticed this. Um, but when I exegete scripture what I do is I, I put the scene on pause and then I walk inside the, the, the scene of that Bible passage and I start to have a look around. What's here? What's, what's this for? Right? Why is that there Lord? And, and what's that over there? And so I ask questions of the scripture and I encourage you to do just that, to walk into the room of scripture and have a look around the scene because I guarantee you, you will have missed something and I also guarantee you when you do that, every time you do that, God will show you something new from that scene. So I was reading one of these passages and I started to do that and, and if you have a Bible you can turn but I'm going to hop, skip, jump through three verse um, gobbits of scripture and um, <laughs> chunks of scripture <laughs> look up the word gobbit later <laughs> um, and the first the first passage is in um, Genesis 30 okay how much time have I got left <laughs> okay yeah we do <laughs> I remember it's next week you're all together okay so this is a I'll tell you briefly okay so Jacob has worked for a long time for his uncle Laban in order to win um, the right for his wives wives plural we won't go into that one just yet um, but he comes one day and he says to his uncle, you know how much I've worked for you and how I've lived, the livestock has fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. Now, what may I do, now may I do something for my own household? 
What shall I give you, says Laban? Don't give me anything, Jacob says, but if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending the flocks, watching over them. Let me go through the flocks today and remove from them every speckled and spotted sheep, every dark-coloured lamb, every spotted and speckled goat. They will be my wages and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check the flock, uh, whenever you check the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark-coloured will be considered stolen agreed said Laban let it be as you have said then that day he removed all the male goats that were streaked or spotted or speckled or spotted female goats and all the dark coloured lambs and he placed them in the care of his sons then he put a three day journey between himself and Jacob while Jacob continued to tame sorry tend the rest of Laban's flock. So he says, okay, I want all the spotted and speckled ones, you can have the rest. Laban says, okay, that's fine. Then he takes all of those and steals them and takes them away from Jacob. So here's Jacob's reply or his response. Jacob, however, took fresh cut branches from poplar, almond and plane trees and made white stripes on them peeling the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flock when they came to drink when the flocks were in the heat uh, were in heat and came to drink they mated in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted Jacob set them apart by themselves but made the rest face the streaked and the dark coloured animals that belong uh, but made the rest face the streaked and the dark coloured animals that belong to Laban thus he made a separate flock for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals okay I told you this was a weird passage <laughs> keep going whenever the stronger females were heat in heat Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so that they would mate near the branches but if the animals were weak um, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban, the strong ones went to Jacob. In this way the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and men servants. Hold that thought. The next weird passage is, um, well it's not weird, I suppose it is. People are moaning at Moses, the leader, and also God. So I have to correct that. I said this in California. People said moaning? What, what does it mean? Grumbling, complaining, whinging, whining. Okay, so they were, they were complaining and grumbling to God about Moses and to Moses about God. And the Lord sent venomous snakes amongst them. They bit the people. Many in Israel died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will make the snakes go away from us. So Moses prayed to, for the people. Okay, pause, you go in that scene. And then you say, okay, what happened? God gave him a download. Because he then goes on to do something. And sometimes when we pray, God will give you a, a download, which means you've got to do something. And so what Moses does, and many of us will be aware of this story, is he, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. And so Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Okay, how weird. <clears throat> Have you ever 
noticed as well that we read scripture and we we kind of gloss over or or glaze over the the weirdness of it (laughs) you know we just okay Jesus walked on water you know have you ever tried walking on water? some of you think you can but the fact of the matter is these are really strange things that happened they're really strange it's almost like God's supernatural (laughs) and then if you have a Bible uh, turn with me to John 3 uh, verse 15 uh, from verse 13 actually Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the son of man he doesn't call himself the Messiah he calls himself the son of man just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life alrighty okay here's the weird thing Jacob takes some branches and cuts them and he puts them in a trough and when the animals the sheep come to drink they look at those things and somehow I don't know how they start producing sheep after what they're looking at okay so they look at something and they start to produce what they're looking at got that bit okay so if I said to you we are what we eat that's you've heard that statement haven't you we are what we eat we are what we look at and so the next scene the people are sinning and their sin the wages for their sin is death but the gift of God is life and the way they get that is they look at their sin by faith confessing it and they live the third scene Jesus says the same way that they did that they will see me and live so I want to ask you a question what's missing in this room and that's I want an answer by the way what's missing in this room okay where's the cross okay it's up there now because I put it up there there's no cross in the room okay here's another thing we've got to be really careful about the songs we choose I love those songs uh, the, um, the Oceans is off the Zion album isn't it I love, I recognise all those songs I love all those songs but I bet for most of the service an imam would be happy with your worship do you know what an imam is? a Muslim priest I bet he would be happy I bet um, a rabbi would be happy with the worship it's gone quiet we have to um, take any scripture and make a beeline for the cross you see I went to the Californian church in case you don't beat yourself up there was no cross and I I ribbed the pastor Steve all week because it got removed two years previously and he didn't know (laughs) and uh, so boy oh boy did 
Did I have some fun with that one? <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, um, the cross is, is not a piece of jewellery. The cross is a brand statement. The cross tells you something about the essence of what it means to be a Christian. The very essence of it. So when the PR and marketing department in the first century got together and said, okay, how can we summarise this entire thing that's happened in one picture? It was the cross. The symbol of execution. The executioner's chair, if you like. The guillotine. The electric chair. The thing that says, this is a criminal's death. This is an appalling, shameful thing that has happened. This is something terrible. You see, if you don't look upon the cross, as it were, then you don't understand the extent of mercy and grace. Or to put it another way, and this is really the the singular point of what I want to say to you today, our vision determines our culture. Or, if I come into a culture, I can tell you what the vision is. So, you know, guys, you, that, I want you to think about that all week. Okay, if, you, if, I, if I came into your home, if I came into your conversation, if I came into your behaviours, what does that tell me about your vision? What's that broadcasting to the people around you about your vision? And if you have a vision, you will shape your culture. Your vision is going to shape your culture. Because the vision, vision in that sense, is a desire of the heart, isn't it? A a vision, in, in a good sense, unless you think, oh no, it's going to end badly, and that's a curse. But if we, if our vision is for blessing, we position ourselves for blessing. We position ourselves according to what we have our eyes on. The sheep look, came to the trough to drink. They looked at the tree. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree, is what the Bible says. Tree, cross, same thing. They looked at the tree and it changed them. Be thou my vision. Is is the hymn. You know, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, there's something... You know, this is not a preach about pulling out the old hymns for next week's worship, okay? (laughs) Or even the next session's worship. But but our forebearers had a vision. And they kept that vision before their eyes. It was in in the theology of their worship. And if we're not careful, something is going to erode that for us. Now some of you know, uh, for the last 11 years I've worked on a rescue boat, a lifeboat, all-weather boat that goes to sea. One of the things you do at sea occasionally is you put down an anchor for all different kinds of reasons, not just to kind of park the boat. And one of the things you do, and some, anyone here been to sea or have a yacht master's license or anything like that? One of the things you do when you put your anchor down is you take a bearing, a latitude and a longitude. I am here. And then 20 minutes later, you take another bearing. And the reason you do that when you're in the ocean, not in a lake, is because the water under your boat is moving. And you have to check to see if the anchor is holding or if the anchor is bouncing along the seafloor. Because from the surface you won't notice. 
From the surface everything looks okay, but what may actually be happening is that your boat is drifting towards the rocks. You just don't know. And the only way you know is every so often, periodically, you take a bearing. Am I where I am meant to be? Or have we shifted because of the moving water of culture underneath the boat? And so we have to occasionally come back to first order principles. And the first order principle of the Christian faith is the cross of Christ. From which everything flows. The, the, the presence of God, the blessings of God, the Holy Spirit, eternal life, the gift of forgiveness, all of those things flow out of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I know I'm talking, I'm preaching to the choir. And I know that when the coxswain asked me to take a bearing, he knows I know this stuff, but I've got to do it anyway. And every 30 minutes when you're at sea, we have to radio the Coast Guard to say, hey, we're still here, we're alive. We know we're alive, but we just have to ping it. And so when we come, uh, Sundays, we want to we hear Jesus' name mentioned. Yeah. Yeshua. You shall call his name Jesus. The name of God is important. You see, there's a, there's a kind of a, a, an undercurrent at the moment that talks about, um, well, Islam and Judaism and Christianity, they're all three branches of the same tree. That is factually and theologically incorrect. To put it simply, Islam is a different deity to the God of the Bible. It is a different deity they're talking about. But in our society, in the Western, liberal, egalitarian, pluralistic, syncretistic, any other words I can think of, world, you know, the pressure is on you to play nice and be nice and just to fold in. But the cross was a scandal and a shame to the to the culture of the day. To say Jesus is Lord was a defiant, rebellious act because the, the, the culture of Nero and the culture of the emperor was you worship the emperor. Five minutes. And, and so, <clears throat> what you normally said was emperor is Lord. Emperor is God. Culture is God. Political correctness is God. And they said, no, Jesus is Lord. He is risen. He is risen. And so they focused in on the cross of Christ as their vision. And so you could tell who the Christians were. You could tell because the culture was different. They stood out. And because they stood out, they could be picked out. And because they were picked out, they were put to the cross themselves and put to the lions and, and all of the rest of it. And they did not shrink from death. And we will sit with those people in the glory, in the sweet by and by. We will sit at table with them. We will sit at table with the, the, the woman who will die soon in Sudan because she became a Christian and married a Christian man. And so she's been um, accused of adultery and uh, blasphemy because she became a Christian. She, she may very well die for her faith. She won't recant like so many do not. And we will sit with those people 
in, in the glory at the table of the Lamb and so I want to ask you to consider again keeping what Christ has done who Christ is but as, as the centre take a bearing today where are you today? What is important today about what, what you're here to do? I was, uh, you know, encouraged, you know, that you want to make Jesus known to your town. The name of Jesus. You know, because again, we can, we, the anchor can slip from we, we are here in Christ's name to we're here to be a representative of the government in handing out care packages. Why do we help people? It's in the name of Jesus. There's something about being in the name of Jesus. You, you have come into a, con a country with a king if you are in the name of Jesus. It's a worldview. This is not private belief. This is public truth. You see, the world wants to say to you, well, what do you believe? Well, I believe in Jesus. How nice. Well, I believe in this and this and this. Oh, that's lovely. And so we have a lovely conversation. You believe this, I believe that. That's the pressure of pluralism. That's what it wants to do. And it is a marketplace of faiths. But we have to stand up for the Jesus of the Bible and let his name be known and let it be known the works of Christ to die on the cross he came in the flesh fully God, fully man died on the cross and on the third day rose again and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me because now we have the gift that he promised the Holy Spirit with us to enable us to, to share Christ in a bold and a confident way so here's another thing you know two minutes left <laughs> I haven't got the I haven't got to the message but we have got to this so we're we're okay we've taken a bearing we're back we're where we're meant to be Jesus the name the work the person is everything they proclaimed a person they didn't have a philosophy well you know we want to see you happy we want to see you content we want to see you comfortable we want to see you healed they proclaimed a person the name of Jesus and they expected a response to that person so I'm just going to run you through this to end so hit me with a slide okay I used to get loads of those in my exams <laughs> and the cross tells us that we get it wrong and, and there is a current trend to remove the aspect of the cross that is to do with holiness yeah. I mean not everyone will know this but there really is we want to we bleach out of any discussion of the gospel judgment, wrath, hell we're taking those things away but to take those away and to say what, well, I don't think we need to talk about hell anymore I don't think we need to talk about God having wrath I don't, certainly don't want to talk about God sending people to hell to do that is to end up with a different deity you have changed the, the doctrine of God you have changed the doctrine of the atonement you have changed the doctrine of man you have changed the doctrine of the end times and the eternal things I can't I would I just have to keep going to tell you every doctrine that's going to be affected by removing holiness from the cross but I see at the cross something else the next slide <coughs> did you notice that one? let me show you that again you see I receive um, Father's Day cards and birthday cards and, and they say hugs and kisses and, and in England we put kiss, 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 kiss and I see that at the cross, yes, I have to admit I did something wrong yes, I have to admit God is absolutely right in his 
in his decision and opinion about sin but I also have to there find love and mercy that he died for me that the love of Christ is for me that he didn't it's not just a random thing he did he did it for me and so I want to encourage you today do you know Jesus loves you and the answer is found in the cross objectively and so when I come in as we did this morning whoever said it and said well you know I was kind of flatlining and didn't feel anything wasn't feeling it okay I look at the cross objectively and I say I know whom I have I have believed and I'm sure of this the work he has begun in me he's going to bring to completion why? because I see the cross I am reminded of who I am and I am reminded of who he is and so that leads to the next thing therefore I have to make a decision at the crossroads which way am I going to go? am I going to go with my own strength my own ideas am I going to turn to the left or the right? am I going with culture or am I going with the culture of heaven? am I going with God's way? forward and so the cross is a place of decision for us it is a place where we come back and we, and, we, and we are stripped of our insanity one more time the insanity of sin the insanity of a culture in rebellion to God that says let us throw off his chains and I choose again to come to him and lastly it is a place of healing for my soul and in the sense of yes I lay down the burden of my sin yes I, I hand over my guilty life or I remember that I have handed over my guilty life and received him but it's also a place where you can lay down the burden of the sins committed against you and this week someone's going to insult you someone's going to cut you up on the highway someone's going to forget about you when it comes to those invitations to that event uh, you know there's a thousand or a million ways you can be offended but you bring your offence to the cross in the manner that Christ took your offence you know, he forgave you, forgive others there's so many ways you could stand here and contemplate the cross for the rest of the week and you'll find something new I just want to say guys in the same way as the lambs looked at the tree and it changed them have a week where you look at the tree let it change you let it, let it impact your culture what's going on, what you value what's your history going to be it's determined by the cross let's stand together I don't know how we are for time or any of that stuff but if you if you want to I want to leave the pitch the last slide up the cross as a place of healing and restoration there we go and we, we, we have a cross now in the room it doesn't matter what it's made of doesn't matter what it looks like but I just want to encourage you just in, in this moment of quiet and prayer to check your bearings where are you? has the anchor slipped? has culture caused drift in your soul? have we begun to accept things that a year or two years ago we would have found unacceptable? Papa waits for you to come home to come back to his love today to his healing and his presence and the way home comes through the one who said I am the door the good shepherd who lays down his life 
And we come to you, Lord, today through the cross of Jesus Christ alone. There is no other name under heaven through which we can be saved. And so, Lord, in this, in this moment, it's the greatest joy we have to acknowledge you and to say, yes, Jesus, you're my Lord and Saviour. And if you felt a little bit far from God, I would encourage you just to make a step towards the cross. Come stand here, I'll pray with you, just for a blessing. I don't need to know anything about that situation, but if you would like to just say, I want to make sure I am rooted and established in the love of Christ. I want to know his sufferings and so somehow attain to the power of the resurrection. Come forward, God will meet you here at the front. We want to just pray with you. And I just want to lay hands on you and bless you to have an amazing week, an amazing time in his presence. Let the vision of Christ rock your world. Let the vision of Christ shape your future. Be thou my vision. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come.